Samuel. Cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in God. Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Early on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. This is the Peace of Mind Podcast. I'm Kevin Jackson. He's AJ Nance. Thanks for listening to episode five. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button. If you're feeling extra generous, rate us and leave us a review. Also, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at peaceofmind615. Leave us your comments and your thoughts. AJ, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm hanging in there. How are you? Not bad. It's been a long Monday post-Super Bowl. We got the football blues because there will be no more football until August. <laughs> it's definitely dark times for all football lovers right now. And also, like, we touched on this yesterday, but today should have been an off day. Like, we all need to recover from Sunday. Yep. And then we'll just we'll be back to our normal, better selves on Tuesday. It's just sad to think, like, there's no football, no college, no pro. It's just a world I don't want to live in. Nah, this is the, the time where I go back and just watch, like, old games that I liked from back in the day that I already know what's going to happen. But it's just something oh, to yeah. satisfy the urge until August. ESPN does the top 25 games of 2018. Once that starts, you know, like, hey, season's like right around the corner. Like, I'm ready to go. Yep. <laughs> In the summertime, the Big Ten Network does the BTN in 60. And so they'll pick a day where it's just a Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. And you'll watch all the classics from that from that team's, And all of them are in 60 minutes or less. Oh, that's fire. I, so, I mean, there's no commercials, plays over, cut straight to the next play. Oh, yeah. That's what I need in my life. Like, I, I, don't, I don't need the huddle and all that stuff. Like, just, just show me the good stuff. Yeah. So, we got a great show lined up for you. First off, we want to give uh, credit to uh, listeners and our reviews. Thanks to all those who have gone on to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and left us a review. I want to give a special shout out to the host of the Prim Brulee podcast on Holyfield, uh, Primal Bot, he gave us a great comment saying, those two know their stuff. If you want football knowledge, this is your podcast. The Mount Rushmore segment is incredible and a highlight of each episode. So thanks, Prim. And uh, while you guys are at it, after this episode, go over to uh, Prim Brulee and uh, give my man Prim a big uh, a big shout out and listen. Uh, give him a chance. on his. He's got a great podcast over there. Yeah, we definitely appreciate it, Prim. And like like Kevin said, I, you know, I was late to the the boat, but he's definitely got an awesome pod that I definitely look forward to listening to every week. So give him a subscribe. So uh, we're going to touch on a few news and notes from college football. Uh, we're going to recap the Super Bowl and uh, give us you give uh, you our thoughts, what we thought about the halftime show. We got our prop bet recap for all those episode four listeners. We're going to tell you how we did on the on the prop bets. We got a great Mount Rushmore segment, and then uh, we'll hit you up with a little bit of overtime at the end of the show. Yeah. So, with that being said, let's get it get started to the news and notes from around college football. Yes, sir. All right. First up, we're looking at uh, Florida State quarterback DeAndre Francois being dismissed from the team. Uh, this week after a video surfaced of his girlfriend and the alleged abuse that was taking place between her and DeAndre. Do you think Willie, Coach Taggart, was correct in dismissing 
Francois so quickly. The thing that interested me so much about this topic was the complete opposite of what Jameis Winston went through. <laughs> you know, Jameis Winston wins the Heisman, wins the national championship. It gets accused of rape. And it seemed like the entire northern part of the state of Florida was on his side. <laughs> and, you know, one video surfaces of the alleged abuse, which I didn't see the video. Did you? Uh, so I saw the video, but what it's not, there's no like actual footage. It's basically like the cameras pointed up to the ceiling and you hear um, a girl and a guy having a discussion and a verbal, a verbal uh, discussion where he, now the, the, the male in the video is definitely saying that he will engage in abusive actions again. I've heard DeAndre Francois do many of interviews, so I think that that's him. That's his voice. From a legal standpoint, you'd probably argue like there's really no footage. There's no actual evidence of my client doing this. So you may not or so they'll probably dispute this. But I mean, it's it's very clearly to me him telling her that he will abuse her again, which I mean, it's just ridiculous. And you're at the point now like you got to grow up. Like this is just it's un, it's uncalled for, it's unnecessary, and like or just be a good person, be, be a, like yeah, absolutely, like grow up, be 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 someone who can have a, a discussion or a dispute with someone of the opposite sex without immediately resulting to to violence because you're the bigger person. Like why don't you sit there and listen or do something? Like I just it, it frustrates me on so many levels, and honestly, like I think. I think Willie's in the in 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 the right here. You've got you've got to set the standard for how your culture and your program is going to be ran. So, you know what? If you go zero and twelve, but you don't have bad apples on your team, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, and obviously he hasn't been good enough to withstand any kind of controversy, right? Because after two years. I mean, he's been, done nothing but turned into a pulp back there from that terrible offensive line. And so, what was their record last year? I think they went five and seven last year. Yeah, just missed the bowl game. Mm-hmm. And so, at some point, maybe it's just time for both of them to move on. Yeah. So, I uh, good for him. I, I like it that Willie Taggart stands up and says, "This is my culture. We're not going to stand this. You're not even going to come close to towing that line or crossing that line, I should say." Yeah, And yeah. so just to get rid of it. So I appreciate that. I agree. So uh, moving on, last week, Oklahoma made head coach Lincoln Riley among the top 10 highest paid coaches in college football, bumping his salary to $6 million a year. Hmm. That puts him in the top 10. Should he be higher on this list? No, I think, I think, he, I think he's pretty rightfully positioned on this list. All the guys above him have one thing that he doesn't have minus Dan Mullen and Kirby. But what I will say about what is that? Well, a national championship. Well, and Jim Harbaugh's on there, but yeah, we know how we feel about that one. But what I will say about this is, I mean, if you look at the way that this, this list shakes out, I mean, I, I truly believe he should be above Nebraska, Texas, Oklahoma state. Like he's, he's consistently, for the two years that he's been at the helm, he's been better than those programs. So, I mean, if you're going to take your team to the playoffs every year, you're going to have a Heisman every year, you should be paid like it. Shocking to see that 
Dan Mullen was so high. I mean, I I get it to a certain extent because Florida has the budget to pay a guy that they believe is their guy. So yeah. let me let me run through this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, you got Nick Saban, as it should be, right. $8.3 million a year. Number two, Urban Meyer, as it should be, $7.6 million uh, a year. Number three, Jim Harbaugh, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, I get it that the NFL's going to come calling at some point, and if you're Michigan, you want to pay your guy. Mm-hmm. But his best accomplishment is a is a second-place finish in the Big Ten East. You have number four, Jim Har- uh, Jimbo Fisher, which I'm fully on board with because he's won a national title. Um, I don't re- agree with it being fully guaranteed. <laughs> but it's that, uh, that old money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate Jimbo Fisher for it. But number five and number seven really blow my mind away. Gus Malzahn, really? I mean, I get it. Auburn's going to pay the money. But that's a reach. I mean, that's that's just a reach. I I really believe that that Lincoln Riley should be paid more than than Gus Malzahn, and then Dabo Sweeney is number seven on the list at a modest six point five million. So for the guy who is on the king of the castle of college football, mm-hmm. uh, to him be to be number uh, seven, that kind of blows my mind. But I think I think Lincoln Riley needs to. I think he needs to move up that list. All he's done in his short time is produce two Heisman winning quarterbacks, a playoff appearance. Um, now we'll say that he will receive a $700,000 stay bonus for each year. He remains an additional $150,000 in annual bumps for every, like his base salary. He will also can get $750,000 in annual performance bonuses. So all that being said, he is, very well compensated. I don't hate that. More shocking to you, was it Harbaugh being so high or Dabo being so low? I'm going to say neither. And I'm going to say that Lovey Smith from Illinois is tied at number 10 <laughs> with $5 million. Listen. He's yet to have a winning record. I'm all for my guy getting paid, but that's that's just taking it from the bank at that point in time. Yeah, that's that's Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. All right, moving on here. So we go to the the next topic here, and I this is one that I, I was glad that you put on here because this is my guy. But the the LSU football program is looking to raise the salary of its head football coach, according to sources. LSU and Ed Orgeron are looking to extend the contract, although the details haven't necessarily yet been confirmed. The contract can't get finalized until the LSU Board of Supervisors meets, and that doesn't take place until March fifteenth. Assuming that they probably go through with this, do you think that Ed Orgeron could take LSU past the hump and get them into the college football playoffs? Part of me wants to say yes, and this would be the year that they do it with uh, Joe Burrow coming back at quarterback. I think they can finally alleviate some of their offensive issues and actually build on the success that they ended with last year, beating uh, UCF in the Fiesta Bowl. I think he threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns in that game. So if they can build on the passing game, then they got a shot. But without that, it's going to lie on his recruiting and him hiring coaches around him to get over the hump to beat Nick Saban. So he's either got to beat Nick Saban, Nick Saban's got to retire. (laughs) And once one of those two happen, he has to fend off Jimbo at Texas A&M, Gus at 
Auburn, which to be honest with you, you just got to catch them on the right year. <laughs> and then you got um, – Or at the right time of the year, some would at, say. Right. And then you just got to get lucky in your crossover games that you don't play Georgia, that you don't play Florida. Yeah. So I think that he's going to have to get lucky, but this would be his year. I agree. I think that sooner rather than later will probably benefit slash be his best opportunity. I don't know if this next season is is going to happen, though. I just feel like they're losing a lot defensively. And even if Joe Burrow does take that extra step, I feel like by losing some on the defensive end, he's going to have to take a bigger step that he's probably going to make this year. Just my take. Yeah, I guess time will tell. Yeah. Again, I think LSU should pay him. I think that there's... With with all that talent that's in Louisiana, you think that they'd be able to get to a playoff. You got to think, though, that they're... While they probably will dominate the talent in Louisiana, nationwide, I don't know if they're going to dominate as much of their pool moving forward. I just think it's 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 almost like that Miami Heat issue. It's like, yeah, all three of them are, are Hall of Famers. Uh, somebody's got to be Chris Bosh. Like, the college football playoff, like, all four of these teams are really good, but somebody's got to be that that close but always the bridesmaid person left out. And I, and I honestly think that LSU's probably going to fall in that category. Yeah, probably, as long as Alabama's still there in the conference. So – Moving on, last Thursday, University of Missouri's football, baseball, and softball teams were slapped with the postseason ban, scholarship reductions, and recruiting restrictions from the NCAA Committee of Infractions for a tutor who completed work for a large number of athletes. Obviously, big news coming after Clemson transfer quarterback Kelly Bryant declaring that he is going to transfer to Missouri. So, I ask you, where will Clemson transfer quarterback Kelly Bryant play football now after these sanctions have come to light. That's a tough one, man. Or does he even leave? I mean, if you're going to Missouri, do you think to yourself, we're not going to play for a national title anyway. We're not going to the playoffs anyway. What does it matter? I probably wouldn't even play in the bowl game. Right. I'll say this, and you make up a good point there. Like they're not they weren't going to be these world beaters anyway. I mean, it gives him a chance to play in a showcased conference and Honestly, and sling the ball, sling the ball. But it also it it lowers his. I would say it lowers their per se what people think of them or or what people are measuring their team on because he doesn't have to now go out and win nine or ten games to look like a success because everybody's going to be so low on Missouri anyway. Maybe you just go put up a nice six seven win season and put up some nice numbers and give yourself a chance to to get to the the combine and and show what you you can do against people equally as talented as you but I don't at at this point in time I don't know if there's a a better spot for him to transfer to. Yeah, I mean, if you are a team that needs a quarterback, you're going to come after him hard. It's just will you be able to lure him away because they're about to start spring practice here soon yeah. down in Columbia and if he's already embedded in that program, he's already enrolled in school. Will he want to switch again? And again, if his if his dreams and aspirations were like to go play for a national title, then he wouldn't have gone to Missouri in the first place, which I'm sure is why Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma. Right, right. I will say that this story really irked me because 
it's pretty much the same thing that was happening at North Carolina, and they skated by with nothing. Pretty much. I mean, I think North Carolina was worse. They had fake classes. <laughs> it's incredible. Like the, Their basketball players were enrolled in fake classes. To me, it's incredible the things that the NCAA will or won't let slide. And the fact that in Missouri, by, you know, in all intents and purposes, they came out and were forthcoming with evidence against themselves. And got punished. And they, yeah, right. and still. So at this point, you you know, if you're going up against the NCAA case, you might as well just lie, just lie, and and hope that they don't if, give well, you anything. If they they proved with Jim Tressel in Ohio State that if you lie, they're going to come down on you hard. Because Jim Tressel was he got a five year show cause penalty, which didn't allow him to coach for five years in the NCAA, and so I'm sure that that led to him just going on and, and starting his administrative role in, in, in college. Right. Yeah, Youngstown State. Yeah, it, it just doesn't add up. <laughs> and that'll do it from news and notes from around college football. Now let's take a minute and hear from our sponsors. All right, so we're back here on Peace of Mind Podcast. It's the Super Bowl recap. It's time to talk about this magnificent, exciting game that we thought we were going to have. <laughs> but... Uh, Still a great game, though. And that I have to approach this conversation from two different points of view, but definitely wanted to to hear your feedback. But I'm going to split this up here. What did you think from a coach and a football football savant standpoint? What did you think of the game? I thought it was a great exhibition of excellent coaching. You got to see one of the greatest dynasties of all time and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady do what they do best. And that is game plan you and really just just prove an entire body of work from all season to demonstrate how much of professionals that they are from the struggles that they had. Us being in Nashville, we saw them play here in Nashville when they played the Titans and they got Smack the Titans. Man. I mean, they got manhandled. Uh, Corey Davis ran wild. And to see that team, you kind of thought, wow, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they might be on the way out. To just continue to grow and show what professionals they are is just honestly a gift. I love watching it. I People said the same thing about Jordan and the Bulls. And just gosh, the you know the Bulls won again, you know clocks ticking down against the Jazz, and people are like you know not Jordan, not Jordan, don't let Jordan get the ball because they knew he's going to make it. They knew they were going to win. Right. And people see that feel that same way about the Patriots, and I completely just taking a second to enjoy the fact that we had an unbelievable game. I don't hate that. I I think from from that same perspective. And that's not a popular. That's not a popular opinion. I don't think. Which I mean, to, to each his own. I think to your point, you see coaches normally where if it's a regular season game, maybe you're only taking one, but at the maximum two quarters to really figure out your opponent. After that, you're just going to open it up and let the chips fall where they may. But you can see it time and time again throughout that game that they were really in a close chess match of 
okay, I'm going to get I'm going to take a little here, but I'm going to give a little here and go back and forth. You know, we talked about how much they let Tom Brady throw underneath to Edelman. It's like, yeah, like those are back-breaking 10, 11-yard gains, but they really weren't amounting to anything at the end because they weren't scoring. Well, you saw that from you saw that from Wade Phillips's defense, right? You know, just kind of like letting them drive and then boning up in the red zone and not letting the Patriots get in there and even get close to kicking a field goal, right? And I th- and even then, I think that when a casual fan sees mistakes or you know drop passes or ugly plays that don't necessarily come to fruition as as they should have. They look at that and say, oh, it's a sloppy game. Whereas if you really look at it, you know, if you're in a back and forth, just deep defensive battle, there's going to be tougher plays to be made than if it's wide open 50 to 49, you know. And so I think that to a certain extent, because both defenses were playing so well, um, that did make for a little bit what I would call or what some would call sloppier game. But I think that that was more of a manifestation of how well the defenses were playing rather than the offenses just being sloppy. Yeah, I saw that uh, New England, when I, when I turned on the game and I saw New England driving down the field right off the bat, running the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I just saw the, all the multiple ways at which they were coming at you. The first, you know, just utilizing uh, Los Angeles's strength against them. You know, you got great interior rushmen, aggressive interior rushmen, and then Dominican Sue. And right off the bat, they use that against him and run a trap play. Mm-hmm. And they have their fullback, Devlin, come in and just trap him, let him come upfield, take himself out of the play. And then um, they hit him with the counters, they hit him with the jet sweeps with Cordell Patterson. They just were so multiple in the way that they were going to run the football and keep that defensive line guessing. But then Tom Brady gets the tipped interception, and then it kind of became this stalemate of a game. It's tough for me, and I think one part that we've got to touch on first is Todd Gurley. Like The lack thereof of Todd Gurley really was crucial to this game. because What's going on with him? Because he was absent in the NFC Championship game, too. A lot of talk has been about him being hurt, but... Him and Sean McVay came out after the game and said that he was fine. Now, I don't know if that's uh, I'm fine because I don't want to make excuses or if he's truly fine and something else is going on. But you can honestly say that this this Rams team did not look the same these last two games they've played as they did most of the the year leading up to that point when when Todd Gurley was getting you know, his normal 20 to 25 carries. And I think, I don't honestly think that the Patriots were scared of C.J. Anderson. And, no. And and they weren't going to bite on that play action and allow them to throw over top. I was, I was thoroughly impressed with the New England defensive line. Oh, yeah. I thought they got completely after it. And with that being said, I feel the same way about the – L.A. Rams defensive line. I thought they were outstanding. I thought the pressure that they got on the screen passes with Burke's head. I mean, um, now granted that was a, I think that was Tlaib mm-hmm. that came up and got that penalty. But uh, you saw many times 
they would try to counter. They try to get the screen, and there were oftentimes two defensive linemen in there, right at the uh, right at the mesh point. To even to that to to that same point, as I mean, if you're looking, if I'm telling you two weeks ago that the, the Rams are going to give up 13 points, you're probably saying it's a win. Oh yeah, easily. And I think, and you know, we'll get to it a little bit later, but man, that the the New England defense throughout the playoffs was outstanding. Well, just take a look at the first two halves of the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl and against the offenses that they played. I mean, you have AFC Championship against the is it I believe the number 1 scoring offense and MVP now. And now MVP and at halftime they had 0 points. And so you fast forward to the Super Bowl and you are playing the number two offense in the league, and at halftime they have zero points. I mean, it, it don't get much better than that. It, yeah, it really doesn't. Okay, so we talked about it in our opinions from a a football coaching slash savant. I'm gonna keep using that word standpoint, but yeah, that's a, that's dangerous word to use. <laughs> but as a fan, what's your takes on the game? Well, as again, I'm not a regular fan, so I loved the game from a football standpoint and just the chess match that it was. But I I really felt bad for a lot of the people that were the casual football fans, and they were just how disappointed they must have been to not see all the points scored. I mean, how many Super Bowls do you see where there are more fireworks at halftime than you do – during the game when the teams are scoring touchdowns. Right. And and it's the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. And you can't chalk all like again to our point, you can't chalk all that up to to bad defense and play calling and stuff like that. I will say that if you're the NFL, while I get it, like you want just good football. So at the end of the day that's good football. But if you're the NFL you probably are hoping for more excitement you're hoping for a little bit higher scoring game it depends on what you determine as excitement because you have a bunch of kids that grew up playing madden where they score on every single possession and then obviously everybody watches college football and so you're seeing tons of points scored but it's very refreshing to see the future is going to have to wait a little bit i mean the future of the nfl everybody's been saying is offense we're going to change the rules for defenders to help them give them the advantage and then at the same time you saw a defensive stalemate right but i think that the super bowl and what it is and what it means is more of a i think it's more of a audience spectacle than it is a football game well thank goodness that it's not like the pro bowl Ah, yeah, yeah. Where or it's fake. I mean, it's last night. You saw a real football game. I, I, you saw you saw a game where special teams mattered. You saw a game where the 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 game was controlled at the line of scrimmage with the offense and defensive line. You saw legit defensive strategies take place mm-hmm. where Wade Phillips was not going to let anybody get deep. They were going to control the line of scrimmage and make Brady dump it down. Mm-hmm. 
but then not give up any points when they move close to the red zone. And then you saw Belichick taking away the best options that the Rams had, wouldn't let them run the ball, got pressured on Jared Goff. And you saw truly, I mean, it was a close, entertaining game. At the end of the game, people were invested in watching and had excitement with the field goal and the onside kick opportunity. Or Well, if they made the field goal, they were going to have the onside kick opportunity. But at the end of the game, people were excited and they were in tune, whereas in past Super Bowls, you haven't had that. I agree. I, I, I do think uh, if I can, I guess if I can look back to at least last year's Super Bowl, I would mark that as a success for the NFL. And I think they would count that as a, as a success and something that would make your casual, non-football-heavy fans come back to watch again. I don't know if last night did that. Now, I think people will still watch the Super Bowl, of course, but if I'm you know, a very little football watcher and I watch that game last night, maybe I don't buy tickets to go see a game that's close to me next year. Well, I hate to say it, but... Very, very few people are going to buy tickets to the Super Bowl. I also thought last night, if you take the NFL aside, and which I think this is healthy for the NFL long term, mm-hmm. is you saw last night was a win for football. Right. It, it's because like a, a World Series game where it ends up like one nothing, and your starting pitchers go the distance and just yeah. battling. Yeah. I, I, I mean, everybody loves to watch the, the big hits in a World Series game, but the drama – of a one nothing game is just it's stressful and it builds up on you i agree it, and i think it also, and you thought at one point all like after everything that had happened la just had to take one one drive this could be it and so for that you got to be thankful but it's a win for football because this trend towards you know the outrage toward the targeting calls mm-hmm. players getting ejected people can't play defense anymore all the rules benefit the offensive player really got checked and balanced last night in the Super Bowl because it was a defense dominated game and two coaches that had really, really done their homework to stop the opposing offense. And to me, life's all about balance mm-hmm. and the NFL coming back down to earth from this offensive fad is great to see. I think one thing you got to look at here too, and and you let me know how you feel. But if you're Miami and you're looking at these last couple of games by the New England Patriots, you've got to be pretty ecstatic that you've got Brian Flores coming in to coach your your team, right? I mean, based on those two games, you're really just ecstatic with the end product. But more importantly, if I'm a coach, I don't really care about the last two games because – or I'm sorry. I shouldn't say if I'm a coach. If I'm an owner and I'm hi- or a GM and I'm hiring this guy, mm-hmm. I don't really care about the last two games. What I care about is the big picture from the beginning of the season to the end of the season to see a defense that was much maligned, really struggling, and then kind of find their way and turn in their best two performances at the end of the year. That's what I'm most excited about is the ability to develop a defense. Now, time will tell if that's Bill Belichick. 
or, and or. there and, and that GM that can bring in the guys and that system and that culture, that New England culture. But I thought the game plan and the, the play calling itself was fantastic. So if you're gonna go hire a guy, Not I mean I think I, no, I think you're I think you're extremely happy about that hire. And I think that most people would probably have said that Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator to most keep your eye on going into that game. And I really think that Flores shined. And obviously he didn't make any tackles, but a credit to the game plan that he put in place to really give Jared Goff a tough time and really make him uncomfortable. Yeah, he didn't look good. It just seemed like every throw that he made, even if it was a completion, the feet weren't set. It just, he was falling backwards, falling to the side. Uh, Everything looked difficult last night. And then to your point, uh, the last show of like, Brady's done this so many times. So, yeah, it could be a 3-0 game, a 3-3 game. He's never going to get unsettled. He he would just right. simply stand there, be firm, and and make the plays when it's time to make the plays yep. and make the throws. And you saw Goff and you saw Goff didn't do that. Right. And he he made a nice read at the end of the game when he threw the interception. Mm-hmm. But he made a nice read. They're driving and it's it's 10 to 3. New England brings safety and linebacker, leaves a corner one-on-one. I believe it's with Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. And Goff reads it, sees the pressure, and instead of stepping up, taking the hit, which is much easier said than done, he leaves it short and to the inside. Easy pick. And New England goes on and uh, wins the game. Oh, you're talking uh, – okay. So, yeah. And even then, I think he, he slipped just a little bit going to throw that ball that I saw on, on the – on the film of the the end zone shot, it just looks again to your point. His feet were never set all night, and he just he barely slips, so he just doesn't get that drive into that throw to 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 Cooks. But I think that's all a part of the game, and that's why Brady is revered as as the goat because you just don't have those those mistakes in crunch time from him. Yeah. So overall, I thought the game was uh, very entertaining from a football standpoint. It was a chess match. If you thought that, if you think that chess is a very boring game, then you probably thought it was a very uh, boring game as well. So, how did you think? What did you think about the halftime? You know, I wanted to give Maroon Five the benefit of the doubt, and I, unlike you, I, I would consider myself more of a Maroon Five fan than you are. I know a lot of their songs. I don't actively seek out their music, but I do enjoy their music. But I got to say that although the performance was good, once once seeing it take place, I just really wanted just Atlanta flair. Like that's what I wanted. I didn't I didn't want you know the pop appease everybody thing. I just wanted it to be so Atlanta. The big boy part was great, and having a little Travis Scott was great, but I just really, you know, I think they, they really missed the, the mark here. They could have had. Who all should they put in that? Who do you think? I mean, from Atlanta, who all should they have put? I mean, if it's the Super Bowl, so you've got to, you've got to have people that connect to the masses. I think you did right with big boy, but you got to open up the checkbook and have Andre 3000 there. I don't care what it costs. Like to have an outcast 
sort of reunited concert at the Super Bowl would have been incredible considering they haven't been on stage together in well over five, six years. So to have them reunited at the Super Bowl would have been unbelievable. And I think that would have appealed to a lot of people. I think when you when you go down the list of notable people from Atlanta that um, would have jarred great reactions, you got Ludacris, who, who not only does music, but he also does acting, so a lot of people know him. You've got T.I. A got, lot of kids today know him. Right, a lot of kids know him. you got T.I. You've got 2 Chains, who was in a Super Bowl commercial. So he's well enough known to be in a Super Bowl commercial, but he can't be performing it at halftime and i think his music was in another commercial yeah and and it's just i feel like that there, there was just so many opportunities that little john he was all he, over the commercials in in the pepsi commercials which put on the halftime show if you couldn't tell me that they couldn't have done a turn down for what and got the whole stadium going uh, absolutely and it's and and the greatest part about that is you can have the show or the halftime show the same length, and you just you give these guys one maybe one and a half songs, and rather well, you, than having these peaks and va- or valleys that Room Five have because they do she will be loved and it's a so slow like love ballad and then you go to like moves like Jagger or something you're just consistently staying at ten the entire performance, which is I mean. Which is what you want. You want audience engagement and like people to be excited and you know cheering and up dancing and, and paying attention to your halftime show. Yeah. So you got also you've got would Usher do it? I mean, like would Usher still move the meter? I, me personally, I mean the songs that the songs that Maroon Five were playing were coming. Oh, we're oh two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, hell yeah, Usher's got songs that would work. And how about She Will Be Loved? Uh, Maroon 5 is playing She Will Be Loved, and I look at my phone. 2002, that song came out. You know who played in the Super Bowl in 2002? That would have been my freshman year in high school. Patriots and the Rams. Patriots and the Rams and Tom Brady's first Super Bowl. I mean, that is incredible. You had Sierra, Ying Yang Twins, Jermaine Dupri. Gucci Mane. <laughs> I'd, have I, been I mean, here. I'd have been here for Gucci. I don't know if Gucci appeals to the masses. So a- AJ would have been delightful. But pull him, in, pull him into the... Um, Anything. Like, I yeah, mean, do a, just do a whole, like... Just do, like, a whole... Just a whole Atlanta show. show. Bring them all out. Yeah. It, it should have just been all Atlanta, and you just go from there. I mean, Future has, you know debated or not he's got a lot of songs that people know and he's from atlanta young jeezy from atlanta like there's just so many people that they could have gotten that they didn't and i think and as the as the the tough aspect of it is i mean obviously most of those are hip-hop artists mm -hmm. and so you're trying to appeal to multiple demographics right and so that's the whole concept. I mean, you see that all the time with Justin Timberlake and Beyonce. Right. Okay. You see, um, like this year was Maroon 5 and Travis Scott and Big Boy. Right. So you're just trying to like, you got to bridge that gap. Obviously, I'd probably like, Justin Timberlake would probably be one of the few that bridge both gaps. I would say like Ludacris would be one that is that easily bridges both gaps. Oh, absolutely. But absolutely. obviously, he's not a big name anymore. 
Um, I've, I'm reading that John Mayer moved to Atlanta. I don't know about Super Bowl halftime, but you mean to tell me if you were bringing out artists and you couldn't slow one down with John Mayer and Usher singing one together? I'm, listen, in 2002, Ludacris had dropped, I believe it was Word of Mouth, which had some just absolute classics on it, like uh, Roll Out. I mean, you can't tell me that in 2002, Ludacris wasn't just as hot, if not hotter, than Maroon 5. So if you're going to play those old songs anyway, you might as well get a guy from Atlanta that could do it. And if you wanted to slow it down, to your point, you have Usher who could do you know, a slower song with, I mean... And you also got... You also got John or uh, Sugarland, who I mean, like you're right in the South. It's a country artist, and you've got hip hop. I mean, like that's the only place in America really where both of those exist. It's not New York City. It's not L.A. You know, it's not the Midwest. But you've got the South, where, like it or not, if you're in a city, it's hip hop. If you're anywhere else, it's country music. Mm-hmm. And Sugarland has played with Beyonce. So I mean, like. You can get creative with it. Yeah, I just think, you know, when you look back, I think the NFL would agree that they dropped the ball. I also, this is just my opinion, I think that they pick, they make the selection for the who's going to perform at halftime entirely too early. Yeah. You know, no I thought reason. Travis Scott was completely just thrown in there just, to, just for a name because he did the one song. He did Sicko Mode, and that was it. Well, and we talked about it on on episode three. Like, how are you going to blend Maroon 5 and Travis Scott? It just doesn't happen naturally. And you know what? One thing that really makes my heart warm, though, is I think like I think it's why it's important why you mix music genres and the biggest stage like that Mm -hmm. is you see Maroon 5 performing with Travis Scott. But then at the end you see them give a big hug to each other. Mm -hmm. And I see so many times, especially with kids today, how many of them are like exclusive fans. Like they just like, I love hip hop and rap and I won't even like, I won't even like listen to anything else. Mm -hmm. And same thing with country. Like there are people who just like, Oh, I hate rap. It's like, what? And it's like, Oh, it's just trash. And they don't even take the time to listen and appreciate the music. Mm-hmm. And when in reality, both of them are so related to each other and their roots all come from the same place. It, it really like to see Adam Levine, like give a big hug to Travis Scott to see two different genres of music, two people that you would think are opposite ends of the spectrum, give each other a big hug and like appreciate their music for what it is. Like to me, I think the world needs a little bit more of that. But with that being said, there was a lot of artists left off the table. <laughs> I will say this, and I'm just gonna put that out, put this out there, and you know, we'll see what happens. But if any listeners want to perhaps find that AT Aliens jacket in a 3X and send it my way, you know, boy, put it on your put it on your Christmas list. I'd I'd be much appreciative if I could get one of those jackets, <laughs> and that was probably um, my favorite part. With that being said, I, I'm not a big fan of Room 5 at all, but I was thoroughly impressed with the show that was put on. I thought it was going to be terrible, mm-hmm. and I found myself watching it and being like, okay, like I'm fine with it. It's cool. Whatever. Well, 
along those same lines, while we're kind of at an intermission point, did any commercials stand out to you? You know, I thought it was pretty cool with the Bud Light did the uh, did the um, Game of Thrones commercial. I'm not a huge Game of Thrones fan. Uh, I don't like hate Game of Thrones by any means, but I just really haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really cool when commercials get together and do kind of get creative and combine their universes. I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought the NFL commercial with Marshawn dropping the ball <laughs> and all those players, I thought that was incredible. I think that you're kidding yourself if that wasn't the best commercial that you saw that night. I mean, it yep. was just – for me personally, being that Marshawn, a probably top five favorite fans on earth, but just seeing him starting out reaching for the cake, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And you just, it's so funny because the ball falls and you see all these legends and new stars taking place and you start to, you look and you're like, oh, look, wow, that's Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and oh whoa Dion out of nowhere and yeah it, it just, and then you saw like the ball goes flying somewhere like who's gonna catch it yeah and then out of nowhere it's <laughs> Franco Harris with the immaculate reception is like it's really good I was I'll, I'll say this the NFL you know there's a lot of things that they can or should probably improve and do better but um I definitely thought they they knocked that one completely out of the park that commercial was great. The T-Mobile commercials were really good with the the back and forth text on the yeah, screen. Those were really, really good. those yeah. were well done. Again, the two chains commercial was good. I was I was shocked not to see a lot of the the normals that are usually there. But I think all in all, it was a pretty decent commercial year. I'd, I'd probably say like a five, six out of ten. Did but you see a Coke commercial? I didn't. For a prop bet. I mean, that was amazing. The fact that it was Pepsi or Coke first. I don't remember seeing a Coke commercial at all. I, I don't recall seeing a Coke commercial in at all. Well, now, what I will say is with people wandering about the city of Atlanta for probably. They probably saw enough Coke signs. Right. So you probably had free advertisement just doing that. I, I just want to put this point in there. So they were saying that a. Commercial spot was running about $21 million. Woo! Right, which is insane. Now y'all know why I didn't have a commercial or we didn't have a commercial for peace of mind. No, they saw our commercial. They just forgot to put our logo there on that Mount Rushmore commercial. They saw yeah. ours. <laughs> That's right. They just forgot the logo. But so twenty about $21 million for a commercial spot. But uh, Vince Wilfork wore a Versace t-shirt as he was carrying in the trophy to do the presentation. And they said that that exact moment would probably be worth about $1.7 million in advertisement just for him wearing the t-shirt. So I'm tipping my hat to Versace just being like, Hey, we're not going to fork out $21 million for a 30 second to a minute commercial we're just gonna pay the biggest guy in the stadium to wear our shirt and we'll just get our publicity off of that so i thought that was a pretty creative move there that's smart so uh speaking of prop bets i know i mentioned them let's go through and uh recap some of our prop bets in in uh, episode three 
Oh, no, episode four. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Episode four, we made a series of prop bets, and I don't have them on the spreadsheet. Do you got them on the spreadsheet? I got them on the spreadsheet. I need you to keep your own score, tally them up, and we'll see who who came out ahead. I will say I need to find what Edelman mentioned first. I've yet to find or see that. I think it's a push. Okay, we'll mark it as a push then, and we won't count that one. So, it's first first off, we had the coin toss. It was tails, man. It was, but we it was a heads call. Oh, okay. It was a heads call, but it was lost because it was a tails flip. So you actually come out of that two and zero oh, because you said that it'd be a heads call, but they'd get it incorrect. Okay. So. I had and I had them calling heads and getting it to correct. So I'm one and one. So what I'm gonna do here is if y'all wanna do this with me and follow along, I'm doing pretty standard operating procedure bets. So I'm forgetting all the odds with this that they give you. So like if you bet if you bet eighteen dollars you get ten or for this one you whatever. I'm just gonna do pretty standard Head up odds. So if you bet $10, you get $10. However, the way it works is if you lose, you don't lose $10. You got you to gotta pay up 12 You got to pay a 20% penalty to your bookie. So right now I'm up 20 bucks. Yeah, you're, you're swimming in it right now. The Super Bowl viewership over and under 106.5. It was under. Okay. Uh, the final number was... 100.7. So you're three for three. Oh, I said the under. Yeah, you took the under. Jim Nance. Oh, my, my guy. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Masters. During episode four, you said that if you had $100 to bet, you would put it on this. Yeah, I take it back. I put the mortgage on it. Yeah, that's, that's right. And boy, you'd have been living large because he sure did. Say hello, friends. So I'm 4-0. You're 4-0. You're rolling. Wow. But not to be outdone, Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight let me down, man. Coming I through. did my research on Gladys Knight. I'll say this, though. There, now, there was a huge controversy because she said brave twice. And there was some controversy during what the time frame was of the end of the first brave. Yeah. But I think it ended up coming that they said it was um, a minute 50 over. Wow. So, so I took the under. You took the under. So, so that knocks me down from 20 or $40 minus 12. I'm at 28 bucks now. So you're what? Four and one right now. Four and one. All right. I'm three and two. We go to did Gladys Knight omit a word. She did not. So that's another check for us. Will any player take a knee? They didn't, there weren't any on camera, so that means that we get that one. Okay. So, will any scoring drive take less than the anthem? <sighs> it's a hard <laughs> <laughs> Will any scoring drive happen would have been a better <laughs> one. So, <Yeah. laughs> Oh, man. You, you said yes on that one. I took no on that one. So We're uh, tied. Six and two. We're tied now. Will a fan run on the field? No, so we're good. We're lockstep there. Chick-fil-A, that was a gimme. I tell you what, though. Fan running on the field, I honestly think there would be – this is kind of morbid to think about. 
I think there's a higher chance of a terrorist attack than a fan running on the field. Nah. That's nah. that's man, I just whew, nonetheless. I feel like that the a fan on the field is very it happens a couple times a year in yeah, every but I just don't event. all those I don't think it ever I don't think they'd ever make it in the Super Bowl. Okay, moving on. Here we go. Color of the Gatorade. Wait, hold on, hold on. There was the fan on the field. Was there one before that? The one, the one after fan on the field was Chick Fil A, which was a gimme. Chick Fil A, right? So, okay. So right now you should be eight and two. I'm eight and two, and I'm up fifty six dollars. Right on ten dollar bets. The Gatorade color. It's a big one. I'm gonna, I'm a, I'm gonna tip my cap here and say that. Uh, Kevin Jackson, that, this this was pretty damn good on your end. Um, That's playing the odds. Going with the blue, that was that was pretty solid. And I don't know about everybody out here listening, but at our Super Bowl party, everybody was pissed because they cut to Belichick after the the yep. Gatorade bath, and you didn't know what color it was. You just saw his wet jacket, and everybody was like, no, what color was it? And then finally going back, and they played like the uh, one shining moment. The and, they the showed it. and they showed and it. They showed it. <laughs> and somehow, like news leaked on Twitter or something like that. It was yellow. Yeah. And we're like, oh man. And then they showed it, and unexpectedly, everybody saw the blue Gatorade <laughs> and erupted. So that one was good. So that puts you at nine and two, right? I missed that. I'm still saying there was something wrong with the picture color on the TV. I think it's purple. The red top. I, I'm pretty sure it's purple, but whatever. <laughs> Non non quarterback throwing the TD. We all had no, so that's another that's another good for us. Roughing the passer penalty didn't get one. Unbelievable! I thought they they really let him play. I thought we, there was one there was one instance. I think it was it was a Sue or Donald like threw him down. I think it was Donald that threw him down, and we were like, here it goes, and they just didn't call it. Which, and there was one on Goff. I think they threw the flag, and Goff was. Was a little confused, oh. but then, well, but he was then, running uh, out of bounds. Yeah, and then it ended up being like a holding call or something. So, so we lose twelve dollars on that one. So that brings us to me to ten and three. Ten and three. Yep. Uh, we go to was there an onside kick? That's a no. Which <sighs> boy, Greg Zerline, you just you. What really did I said? Yeah, I said yes on that one, right? Yeah, we both took yes on that one, and we were. A Greg Zerline chip shot away from getting that one, and he just choked. For a guy up. I was so high on, really right. let me down. Really, let me to be so true. Like five hours away in New Orleans, you really, really crapped the bed on that one. But yep. okay, so we got a push on who the Super Bowl MVP mentioned first, and then we go to halftime shows. We we both took the over on six and a half songs, and we were correct. So that brings me to eleven and four. Yep. Here we go. Dog commercials. Oh man, over this is under, the highlight of the night. <laughs> over I've under never five and a half. Seen, I've never seen a Super Bowl party just <laughs> tuned into commercials. I heard people yelling at people, oh. friends, girlfriends, and boyfriends yelling <laughs> like, "Hey, shut up! The commercials are on. We got to see if there's a dog." This one was outstanding because. I can't remember what commercial it was, but we were watching it, and they put up the sign for, like, Lost Cat, and everybody lost it. Like, why would you do a cat? And then, like, 
20 seconds later, they're stuck in the elevator, and out of nowhere, just the, like, dog head pops up in the elevator shaft, and everybody just goes nuts. Yeah, so, and then there was the one where they were, like, everybody was excited, like, oh, this could be, a, there could be a dog, and all of a sudden, like, the the tennis ball launches out of the, the tennis ball thrower, and the dog goes <laughs> chasing, everybody was, like, screaming <laughs> like they just won the Super Bowl. That one, and then, because, so, the, the over-under was five and a half. The the number five commercial was Budweiser with the Clydesdale and the pup and the Dalmatian. Yeah, and and now that one came with about six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, because well, I think it was a little later than that. Because I think what were that was the fifth one, right? That was the fifth one. That was the fifth one. And so somebody had mentioned in the party, like, "Hey, we're cutting it close." And I said, "Well, hey, it's fourth quarter. Budweiser's coming." Okay, and so you're gonna get one this quarter, and it happened with like, yeah, I think it was like nine minutes left. But and it was so like, oh, that shit. made it number five, and then you were like, you were hoping that. Well, in my case, I was hoping that another commercial would have a dog because you could count on the Budweiser one, and with the Budweiser one coming in at five, I thought we were in trouble. And lo and behold, we got that sixth one, and the party went. Absolutely nuts. <laughs> I think it was Amazon with the uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah, and he had uh, and he was trying to order dog food. So I appreciate that, guys. Another funny one for the night. Would Bud Light use Dilly Dilly? Oh yeah, this one was great because I don't think the party got quiet at all, but for this commercial, and he yelled Dilly Dilly, and you would have thought that he said. Everybody at this party got a hundred dollars because we just went crazy. Yeah, that was great. That was absolutely great. So that one was good. Well, uh, I'm sitting at thirteen and four with eighty. I'm plus eighty two dollars. You're at thirteen and four. Yeah. All right. So then we go to. Hold on. What'd you take on? What'd you take on? Uh, you had the under on dog commercials. Oh, I did. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I stand corrected. Wow, why would I do that? So you. So I am. 12 I'm twelve and five, mm-hmm. and I'm at, instead of eighty two dollars, I'm at sixty dollars. Well, subtract more because nobody was even close on this uh, total points over and under. Whew. Thank yeah, God! No thank God you didn't put the mortgage on that one because it's been a real ugly Monday for us. Puppy Bowl winner. Oh, I lost this one too. Good old team rough. Yeah, I, I was all team fluff. Coming through for the boy. Too all Maisie, my girl. She let me down. <laughs> and then our final one was the first soda brand commercial. Oh, Pepsi by Crushed. Landside. There was two Pepsi commercials, and they did the halftime show. It was not even close here. Here's the thing: we're gonna have to figure out what Edelman said. Because at right now we both stand tied at thirteen and seven. I have myself at twelve and eight. Let's go back through. You had heads, so you started four and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Then you missed the Gladys Knight under. You got four and one. You got uh, a mint a word. That's five. You got player taking knee. That's six. You got fan running on the field was seven. Chick Fil A was eight. The Gatorade was nine. Um, oh, I got you. I miscounted. You're right. 13 and 7. Yep. Yep. And so right now the one that separates us is 
who the Super Bowl MVP mentioned. So we need to figure out what that one was. But I appreciate Team Ruff coming in with the win to get me back into money contention. And takes us right into our Mount Rushmore segment today. Before we do that, let's uh, hear for a word from our sponsors. All right, and we're back with the Peace of Mind podcast, leading you into the Mount Rushmore segment. This is the fan favorite part of the episode. This week's Mount Rushmore, in recognition of all the wonderful dogs that gave their service <laughs> to the Puppy Bowl and to all those wonderful Super Bowl commercials, our Mount Rushmore is going to be your Mount Rushmore, your top dogs, top dog breeds that you that you can think of that you love. I do too. I really, I really stressed about this one. This one hurt because if there's one thing I don't want to do, it's it's isolate a puppy. And nope. And there's a lot of legitimate contenders. Yeah, there are. Thankfully, we we removed mutts and mixed breeds out of this, which made it a little bit easier for me. I will say I'm a big fan of the doodle mix. So I'm just going to put that out here now. Like Bernadoodle, yeah. Golden Doodles, Labradoodles, big fan of those. Didn't make my list because of the restrictions we put, but had to give them a shout out. I've never had a mutt before. So I've only had mutts until my first dog in college. Wow. I never had a mutt growing up. Ever, actually. That's wild. I feel like, it. I don't know, it may be a cultural thing. We need to look into it. But... Yeah, I've only had mutts growing up. Interesting. All right, so jumping in here, and I'll lead it off here because i got to give a shout-out to my boy, my my homie, Rosé. You knew these guys were going to be first on my list, and it's the English Bulldog. Just, just, you know, people say you you embody and you are your dog. That probably is true of me and Rosé. We're both, uh, both big, fat guys. We snore. Kind of lazy, but we can get active when we want to. And he's just my favorite little pup. So English Bulldogs is, is number one for me on here. I don't know if you hydrate like Rosé does. I don't, but I should <laughs> drink water like he does. If I did, man, I'd be in so much better hydration. No, he, he'd kill a gallon of water and then <laughs> beg you <laughs> beg you for a like refill. He, like he ain't had water all week. <laughs> yeah, but, so I, I can't make this up. Not for the same reason, but I put the bulldog on there as well. My now, man. you could call me a cop out for not putting the English bulldog or the American bulldog or whatever, but I think the bulldog is is one of the top most recognized brands or breeds of dog. For all the mascots it has been, the use in popular culture, everybody knows what a bulldog is. I personally would think it would be really cool to own a bulldog. Probably never will. I think it's a really cool breed. So that's that's my number four. I, I like to rank mine. Do you have a particular like 
style or color a bulldog that you like most? I like the like the meaty from Robin Big oh, from yeah. the TV show on MTV. Oh yeah, I like meaty. The little white with a little accent colors with a little black on them. I'll say this for any listeners that adore uh, English bulldogs such as us: just know that. If you're going to get a bulldog, these are very high-maintenance animals. And I say this as a 30-year-old who now looks back at his 22-year-old self. I had no business getting an English bulldog at 22. And just their upkeep and how much you have to take care of them, it truly is like an everyday task. But it's so worth it. Bulldogs are awesome, so they had to make my list. All right, who you got for next one? My next one is a shout out to all the service dogs in the world, the German Shepherd. Again, I would never own a German Shepherd. I think they're beautiful dogs, but there are more German Shepherds that have laid their lives on the line than I have. Not even close. And so to me, that is extraordinary. You have secured and cemented your spot into the Mount Rushmore as a German Shepherd. As a fan of dogs, I can look and appreciate a German Shepherd, but just for just historic reasons, there's no chance they were making my list. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, yeah, I can see that. I, that's, I mean. But I've never met a German Shepherd that was, like, lethal. Neither have I, but that's why I say just from a historic reference, I wouldn't. But that's just, I mean, we can dive into that another day. But Great dogs. One of the most, um, I think, loyal and trainable dogs as well. Um, I think so. Which, They're stupid smart. Uh, absolutely. And so I I can't argue that point, but I just had to make it known why they weren't going to be on my list. But staying in that same country, German short hair pointers, guys. I'm, wow. Listen, I've said it on this podcast a few times. I played baseball all my life growing up. Had I not gone to college to play football, I would have played baseball in college. But the idea of having a German short hair pointer and just getting off of work and just tuning up the cannon so I could just launch a tennis ball or some type of like ball as far as I can and just watch this dog run for hours and just chase it and bring it back to me would be incredible. I like like their the orientation of their their skin is awesome. They're beautiful. Like their colors they really are, are beautiful. awesome. Like they're just great looking dogs. Unfortunately, at this point in time, I there's no chance I would have one just because they are so active and there's not nearly enough yardage in my house to have one, nor do I have enough time to have one, but I think one day I would really love to have one. Yeah. Big shout out to Sam Grayson. Oh, yeah. Hopefully he I hope he gets a, a, a short hair pointer, a German short hair pointer one day. One day. Uh, he now he's someone I would de- like I can yeah. definitely see with one. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean so he's he's a fellow coach and a fellow listener and he's a big time hunter. He's just been he's just been waiting his time for his German short hair pointer. I just <laughs> I know I just hope he gets his. And by the way, uh if you haven't heard Go go check out Sam Grayson on uh, Apple Music and Spotify. Absolutely, great artist. He's a country uh, country songwriter. He's got an EP out, 
and um, he just cut a song on Luke Combs's um, newest album on the deluxe edition on the on the song a long way he co-wrote that one with luke Combs. so go give that a listen and uh just just you know leave a comment just send out your prayers your well wishes hopefully he gets that german shorthair pointer one day absolutely that's a that's who we need to get sponsored by german shorthair pointers just some breeder you know <laughs> peace of mind so who, for german shorthair pointers <laughs> who do you got at number two so my number two also dials back to dogs i've previously owned Rest in peace. But my dog Layla was a boxer. I will always have a special place in my heart for boxers. So that's my number two. Yeah. Boxers are good dogs. My Uncle Jack had a boxer. They really are. And they're the per. I feel like they're the perfect mix between like they are energetic. They will play, but they're also very loungy and like will just snuggle up with you yeah. and, and, and chill. So. Rest in peace to Uncle Jack. Rest in peace to the boxer, Sammy. So my number two is a dog that I have previously owned, which I think is the most beautiful dog of all time, is the Siberian Husky. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world as a kid growing up. Everybody thought I had a wolf for a dog. (laughs) And, I mean, they could run for days. My, My girl... When I was younger, her name was Cabo, and uh, she was the smartest dog I've ever seen in my life. And I would say that's probably including the dogs I have now. Um, for a 9- and 10-year-old to be able to train the dogs to do what she did, uh, she was brilliant, and she was so beautiful. So easily number two is the Siberian Husky. Also, shout out to another listener of ours, Darius Miller, who they have a Husky, and her name is Jinx, and she is just awesome. But, like, she's, like, very uh, white-colored in the face, but these, like, nice blue eyes, and it's just, like, it's just an awesome-looking dog. Yeah. And it's also another reason why you need to watch Game of Thrones, because all of them get dire wolves at the beginning of the show, and they're awesome. Yeah. Plus, I mean, the growing up, I did a project in school one time on the Iditarod, mm-hmm. and these dogs run thousands of miles. Oh, yeah. In the oh, snow. Yeah. Like they're incredible. If I moved to if I move out west, that's the only reason I would not get a lab is I'd buy a Siberian Husky. They're definitely a shatter, so you'd have to have like some space outdoors to like comb them and yep. groom them. But oh, for sure. They're unbelievable dogs. For sure. All right, so who you got for number one? My number one's an easy pick. It's a lazy pick, if you will, but it's a Labrador retriever. It's probably about 50 years in a row as the number one dog in America. I've got two of them. Shout out to Brooks and Miley, Black Lab and the Chocolate Lab. They are the best dogs I, I could ever imagine having. I, I can't disagree. I love Brooks and Miley. I have had, just through various people in my family, we've had multiple Labradors, always been great dogs. So, yeah, I... That one's just a consistently great dog to have. Yeah. So that's not a bad pick. I went a different but, route. For, oh, go ahead. But, no, but I'm saying for you, but I it sounds a, like a but. I went a different route. And like I said, I could have picked a bunch of different dogs here. But I will say that my wife has really enlightened me on this particular dog here, which is the Louisiana Catahoula Leopard Dog. Her dog at home is Jake. And 
she always tells these stories. When I first met her, she's like, can't, can't come to my parents' house. Like, my dog, he just, he doesn't like many people. He's going to, you know, he's going to be tough on you. He might try to bite you. All these things. And the first time I ever go to their house, he's, like, walking behind me with his mouth open, trying to bite my calf muscle. But he can't quite get his mouth around my calf. And from that day forward, he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be friends with this guy. And so... Since that point in time, like, I just love going up there and, like, messing around with Jake. Like, he plays fetch all the time. He's he's almost like a mix between a dog and a cat because What's he look like? Well, it's a, it's what I mean, what's the breed? A Catahoula? It's a, it's a Catahoula leopard dog. Very famous in, like, the uh, southeast. Like, if you – or in the southern states, if you look at uh, Louisiana, obviously. But they're, they're bred for, like, boar hunting. Um, but also there's like a famous painter in new Orleans that paints like these colorful dog paintings. And that's, it's actually the Catahoula that he's painting in those pictures. It's a wild story how my, my wife and her family found this dog. But every time I go up there, I just enjoy being around them. It's, It's a dog that'll lay up with you, but also will go on and do its own thing for hours and then come back and hang out with you. It definitely had to be on my list. That's a pretty bold number one. It's unique. You well, know, I guess not number one, but it's on your list. Um, your wife actually texted me and, and let me know that if I put Chesapeake Bay Retriever on here, she'd kill me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> How does she know? No, nah, I'm just kidding. But she would she would have definitely said something had I put it on <laughs> had I put it on this episode. So well, I left it off. Chesapeake Bay Retriever is on my honorable mention. As with the Beagle. I had a beagle growing up. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a classic like American dog. I love Bernie's Mountain Dogs. Love them. They're so beautiful. Love them. I, they're so beautiful. Which is why uh, Bernadoodle was on mine. Yeah, but they're big time shedders, big time health issues. Probably will never own one for that reason. Yep. The Golden Retriever, who's probably the most famous dog breed, was on neither. Um, so shout out at this being a college football podcast. We kind of left out golden retriever and air bud. <laughs> the best oh, receivers oh. of all time. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, last one on my honorable mention is a Dalmatian. Dalmatian was definitely on my honorable. I mean, to me, that's like a, that's the most recognizable. I mean, just as a kid, I mean, what do you picture a Dalmatian with as a kid? White with black spots. Well, but I'm talking about like in what context? Oh. With like a fire truck, right? Fire truck or Bud, Bud, Budweiser truck, like some Clydesdales. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so like, I mean, like just, I mean, that you learn real quick. Uh, and then the movie, 101 Dalmatians, I mean, that's, so, I mean, that's a little outdated now, but, I mean, that's always a, a big time breed. Yeah, that one's, I had Rottweiler on mine. I love Rottweilers. Love them. I had, I had a, I actually had a Rottweiler boxer mix growing up. My uncles had Rottweilers, like, it's just a it's a type of dog that we've had a lot um, in my family, and it's just I mean they're awesome looking dogs. Doberman Pinchers too, just just yeah. great looking dogs. Those are um, tough looking. Yeah, they look like they might bite a whole chunk out of your tail, like if you come close to them. So I like those. And then I'm I had like you said I had Bernie's Mountain Dog on mine as well for the shedding issues. I probably never have one. But the look that they have is just incredible. And like I mentioned before, like 
I think we're going to go the doodle route the next dog we get. So it's definitely a toss-up between that or the, the golden doodle. Right. So, well, as another successful Mount Rushmore, please leave comments on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Reach out to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I promise you, if you leave a Mount Rushmore topic, we will do it. Absolutely. And this one, this one includes everybody. So don't be afraid to give us your top four on dog breeds. We definitely want to hear from you guys. Let us know. Yeah. Or let us know where we dropped the ball and messed up. So uh, with that being said, let's go into overtime. Let's hit it. The 25 NFL Hall of Fame semifinalists were announced for the 2019 class. And three first-year eligible players made the list. We got quarterback Champ Bailey, tight end Tony Gonzalez, and safety Ed Reed. Do you think all three will make it? First ballotters. Yes. Yes. Now, really? And I've, and I've said this a lot. I am very much a very captive of the moment. But when I think of the best tight end in the game, Tony Gonzalez is either one or two that comes to mind. When I think of best safety in the game, Ed Reed always comes to mind. Champ Bailey is the one that I is kind of on the cuffs for me. But, I mean, he was incredible coming out of Georgia. And, I mean, he did it at a high level for a long time. So, I think, I think he just barely gets in, but I do think he gets in on the first ballot. What about you? I think they'll both. I, I think Tony Gonzalez and safety Ed Reed will make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Champ Bailey made it. When I see other players that could make it, I see Rondé Barber. Mm-hmm. One that really gets me is Isaac Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> and that's a guy who played for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, won a Super Bowl. I see uh, Torrey Holt with the – with the Rams as well. I don't. I would see Champ Bailey getting over over that over him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got another Hall of Fame topic for you, or so to speak. Julius Peppers announced this week that he's retiring from the NFL. Do you think that he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer once his time comes? Yeah. Yep. Number two draft pick, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, nine time Pro Bowler, three time first time first team All Pro. He's on the All Decade team. Number four in NFL career sacks. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, you get no arguments here from me. Do you think that he belongs in the list of top athletes with Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson since he was a two-sport star? I think he will. Yeah, I think he's easily one of the best athletes because when you're that big, to be able to do the things that you do, like explosiveness, mm-hmm. when you're being that big, yeah. He's, but he won't get it because he don't have the notoriety or the fame. So, nonetheless, uh, Super Bowl Fifty Three earned a twenty six point one rating in New Orleans, the lowest of any market and the lowest ever in New Orleans. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I can see this one coming from a mile away. But I'll say this: I saw videos of them partying in the streets instead of watching the game. And I think they might have had more fun than people that were watching the game. My question is, how did they account for the 25 people that watch on one TV? <laughs> I've never understood how you do that, but yeah, I can see that. The increase in parties, in my opinion, leads to the lower ratings. So nonetheless, what's next? Fair. So Super Bowl's over. We, we talk about age a lot. We talk about players a lot. 
But after the game, they interviewed Gronkowski, and the question was uh, proposed to him, do you think you'll be back next year? And he says he'll decide on his future in another week or two. Do you think he plays next year? I think it all depends on Tom Brady. For all intents and purposes, I am assuming that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are coming back. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I'm going to assume Gronk comes back too. I think I'm going on the opposite. I don't think he comes back. I just He didn't seem like himself this year. He seemed slower. He seemed more hurt. He's already got what I would assume to be a Hall of Fame career. Three-time champion, four-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, 92 touchdowns. Over 600 catches and over 9,000 yards. I I don't know what else he has to prove. I don't think he's coming back. You don't have to prove anything, but you get to play with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So you're pretty much guaranteed going to the AFC Championship. So if you want another one, just sign up and go play for another one. But nonetheless, (laughs) for you, what was the bigger surprise in the Super Bowl? Greg Zerline missing a field goal for the LA Rams or 16 total points scored? Listen, this is not even close. Greg Zerline, what are you doing? Are you serious? Listen. I granted, he missed one from 70, but 16 points? It was a 40-something yarder, and he missed it. Like, this is supposed to be money in the bank. I gave him so much publicity and love for drilling one against the Saints. and then He, he could have made one from, like, 185 yards in right. the NFC Championship game. But seriously, if the question is, Zerline misses a field goal, not – the 43 yarder. But he but this was a no pressure situation. Like it's, it's the Super Bowl, it's all pressure. Yeah, but you're already down 10 and you're probably not going to win a game. Just step up and drill it so I can get this onside kick and be in the money even more. That's true. I'm taking the 16 total points. Unbelievable that two Tom Brady and the highest scoring uh, second highest scoring offense in the league gets held to a total of 16 points. All right, so then uh, also this weekend, we had the NFL awards ceremony. Uh, we learned that Patrick Mahomes was the league MVP. Uh, Saquon Barkley got the Offensive Rookie, Rookie of the Year award. And Darius Leonard from the Colts got the Defensive Rookie of the Year award. Any arguments in those? Only argument you can make is Drew Brees for the quarterback for the MVP. Don't hate it that Patrick Mahomes made it, uh, won the league uh, MVP Ultimately, he had over 5,000 yards passing, 50 touchdowns. Drew Brees, although was only about a little over 1,000 yards away, could have been his year to make it, but I still believe Patrick Mahomes was more deserving. Only other guys you could have went with was potentially Nick Chubb as the offensive rookie of the year, but Saquon Barkley is the better pick. And Denzel Ward for defensive rookie of the year, but I agree Darius Leonard was a better pick. All I'm saying is Derwin James had 109 tackles. He had 13 pass deflections, three and a half sacks, and three picks. I I don't think you could go wrong with either one of them, but I kind of think Derwin James might have should have been the defense. That's impressive. Of the year. That's impressive. So, change of gears, LeVar Ball, the infamous father of Lakers point guard Lonzo Ball says, if he is traded, I don't want Lonzo in New Orleans. Phoenix is the best fit for him, and I'm going to speak it into existence. Do you believe LeVar Ball, or do you even care? 
I think that this is probably already kind of written in the books. It's just taking a little second to play out. But to quote my friend Trill Withers from the Mixtape Podcast, when you're shooting 41% from the free throw line, you don't get to choose what your best fit is. Lonzo Ball, while having a lot of hype coming into the NBA, he's still struggling to find his fit. And I think that it would do him well if LeVar would take a backseat and let his son grow rather than always speaking up and letting his opinion be known. Yep. I think parents are the worst thing in sports. And I'm not saying LeVar Ball is not a good dad, but you need to shut up. That's my opinion. Um, So, nonetheless, I don't really care. (laughs) Fair enough. We'll see. Um, The the deadline's the 7th, so we'll know here in about three days what's going to happen. And then the final point here for overtime. Kansas football coach Les Miles appears in the trailer for the movie Angry Men based on a horrible Challenger space shuttle disaster. Does this make you want to see this movie? I almost do want to see it for less miles. <laughs> I love the grass eater. I probably won't see it, but I'm impressed that he's actually in it. Like he's taking a role and he's not even just a cameo. Like he's in the movie. Right. I, when I, when I picture less miles, I don't picture an actor. Right. But I will say that there's no chance I'm paying money to see this movie. No. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it truly is an unbelievable story because and it's a valuable lesson uh, because they could have been prevented. But there are a bunch of people that didn't want to say no, like we shouldn't launch. And so the horrible disaster happened. Mm-hmm. But I think Les Miles, I mean, he's moving. He's in the Dr. Pepper commercials this fall. Was it Fanville? Fanville. Mm-hmm. Incredible commercial series. And he, but yeah. he sold the trophy, too, didn't he? But I tell you this right now, I will see the movie because of Les Miles. Whenever I see it in theaters, I don't know. Yeah, he's not getting my money. I'll tell you that. (laughs) So, hey, one last thing I want to bring up to you before we close. The Super Bowl finished with a score of 13 to 3. Lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. However, it is the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick's highest margin of victory in Super Bowl history. Wow. What do you think about that? I did not know that. Is that not nuts? That's incredible that, I mean, 10 points is 10 points, but that's incredible. You scored 13 points and you had the highest highest margin. margin. That's what happens when your defense shows up. That's unbelievable. All right, so that's all we got. Thanks for listening uh, to the Peace of Mind podcast. Join us again next week, maybe even this week. We'll see again. Follow us online, Instagram and Twitter, Peace of Mind 615. Or also, rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to have your feedback. Appreciate you guys. You guys have a great night. See you.